Hi, I'm James Gagliardi, along with Natalie Wires and Jason Nyes. Between us, we have over 40 years of experience working in e-commerce technology. But this isn't about us. This is Commerce Connect, a podcast about people who are creating some of the best e-commerce experiences of our times. Listen on to hear from e-commerce visionaries as they look back on where they started, lessons they've learned that have gotten them where they are today, and what they believe is the future of online shopping. Hi, this is Jason Nias from Digital River. I'm Senior Vice President of Sales, Marketing, and Partnerships. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by Tomas Yuno from Avast Software. And Avast Software is a disruptive force in security software. They really pioneered the freemium model. And today, you're going to hear from Tomas talking about how he organizes his growth teams to essentially execute a hyper-local strategy to extract the most amount of growth possible from markets. And uh, he shares a little bit about why he's so excited by hockey stick growth and some fun experiences uh, he's had internally around it. Uh, today, we're coming to you live from the Commerce Connect event here that Digital River is hosting with our partner PayPal here in the United Kingdom. Uh, and we're coming to you from the Shard, which is the tallest building in the EU as of the recording. Uh, I got a feeling when it goes live, it'll be the tallest build, uh, sixth tallest building in all of Europe after Brexit. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Uh, so my name is Thomas Janu, as you correctly pronounced. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm from the Czech Republic, and I work for a company uh, called Avast. So I'm head of localization and e-commerce, which I found many people find kind of how do you why do you connect localization and e-commerce? And here at Avast, we uh, kind of look at localization as or sorry, at e-commerce as part of the localization. So we do not just localize in terms of translating the, the content. We do localize the, the whole experience, uh, including the pricing, the, the campaign, the, the offer, and, and most importantly, the checkout and the payment methods. Wonderful. And, and has that been an area that Avast has seen a lot of success in and they continue to invest in? Why, why put a person responsible for, for that? Well, the, definitely localizations. Uh, have been a, a key success to uh, to our business, especially at the beginning in in 2002, uh, when we were the free antivirus. We were the only free antivirus on the market, which was localized to English uh, to to languages like French, Russian, Portuguese, Spanish. So if you were a, a French user, you had no other option than than to go with Avast Free AV. And that kind of helped us to build us this massive user base we have in the non-English markets. And later, around 2010, 2011, we started to uh, to realizing we have massive opportunities in those markets, but the conversion is not that great as in the US. And we were asking why and what we can do better, and that kind of leads to to building the and localizing the the e-commerce experience. That's that's great. You you mentioned localization that it, it's beyond just the the translation of the text. What, what, is, what is your definition of localization? So we kind of have a, we call it a go local levels and uh, really the, 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 the first level of going local or expanding to, to a certain market is we, we do localize the, the website, the product, but we also add this, this e-commerce bit, which is we do localize pricing and it's not just we, uh, we offer local currency, we also, uh, Kind of look at the local market. What is the, what is the, what are the competitors priced at? How is the, uh, what's the buyer capabilities on the market? So that's why if you look at uh, 
Nordics, our products are much more expensive than if you look at South America, for example. And uh, third, we also importantly look at the, what are the payment methods people, uh, people need to purchase there because you cannot really go global with, with just uh, uh, online payment, with credit cards or, or PayPal. So obviously we're all very familiar with Avast and the story, but for our listeners, can you share a little bit about Avast's origin story uh, and, and how you've come to be, one, frankly, one of the fastest growing, largest providers of security software, but it didn't always start that way. Sure, so uh, Avast dates back to 1988, so we are on the market 30 plus years, uh, which is, I think, exciting. It was also a, a, a massive journey for us. So in 2001, we decided to go freemium. Before that, we, we are we're like the typical software company focused more on, on, on small, medium enterprises. And But then we ran into troubles and the only option was to, to go freemium. So we decided to offer our products for free. And we realized that we, need, we really need to offer a good solution which will be comparable with with other paid solutions because otherwise you won't be able to build the, the large user base which you can later monetize that's i think the key to freemium that your free product needs to be as good as other paid so you can build a base but then it also makes you kind of the harder how do you how do you make money out of it if the free product is, is so good <laughs> then it, how do you differentiate your premium version yeah and anybody who's familiar with the e or the security space will recognize how much of a disruptive force Avast has been in that industry. You guys have you guys have grown leaps and bounds on the backs, frankly, of the a really great strategy, but also amazing local execution. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I totally do. In fact, one of our third biggest markets now, Brazil, uh, was, I guess, 50 plus market 10 years ago. And really being able to grow it only by localizing the, the whole e-commerce experience and by allowing people to, to purchase the products the way they, they are used to in, in Brazil. And we are now continuing in, in, in developing in, in further markets. So we see a lot of growth in, uh, in, in South America, in, in Argentina, uh, in Chile, but also in other parts of the world, especially Southeast Asia, South Korea, Taiwan. Those are all very interesting markets. So, so you mentioned freemium and you know having a competitive product uh, that people want to use that's free. Uh, how do you how do you go through the decisions of what to include as part of the freemium product versus what's in the premium product? Right, uh, this is a very good question, and it's kind of the constant challenge we have. It's sort of a balancing act, so you need to find the right balance between having the good product, but on the other hand, you also need a the, the kind of good build a good value in the premium product so so you have so you can move people from free to paid eventually what what uh, and and what is the if you can share what what's your um, conversion rate from free what are you aiming for from a conversion rate right standpoint? so uh, as of today it, it really depends on uh, on the market so there are markets where the the free to paid conversion is 15 20 percent but there are also markets where it's uh, 1% or even below 1%. Uh, on average, I think with freemium, Canada, uh, we are on 5 to 7%. It's, of course, also changing with longer you are in the freemium business, the, the larger uh, retention base you have, which kind of keeps, uh, keeps renewing. Uh, but what do, how we do look at it is it also means we still have like 
90 plus percent which uh, which we don't monetize so how do we how do we do that that's sort of a key question which we are now trying to trying to resolve we we are like understanding we won't be able to monetize 100 and move everyone to paid but we think there is opportunity to grow further especially if you look at some other uh freemium uh businesses like spotify i think they're uh, free to pay this around 30 percent yep how, how do you benchmark so you had shared some country specific conversion rates of a free to free to paid how do you look ex do you look externally at other companies and say like a, a, a spotify as a 30 percent or do you simply say we're going to take how our business is converting and we're going to improve it regardless of benchmarks how do you what's the attitude at which you kind of solve the problem i think it's kind of combination so we we do look at we are we are looking at how how the other freemium businesses convert in a particular country but uh, as, as a global company there are not many other players running freemium globally right? so, so it's kind of limited knowledge uh we but the what we are doing we are kind of grouping the territories by sort of a similarities so if you for example if i I've spoken about South America and, and, and our success in Brazil and Argentina. So in, in Brazil and Argentina, our free to pay is, is above five, right? But in, in, in Mexico, for example, it's around zero. And based on, based on our thinking and also some local expertise, we think Mexico is, should be the same as Brazil. So we kind of set the target based on where we, where we get successful in, uh, in other markets. How do you get more local knowledge? So do you do you have feet on the street in places like Brazil who are telling you about payment types, about you know all the different levers you can pull? How do how do you get your insights? So the the first level, uh, I think it's something you, everyone can do uh, without having any kind of local understanding, and it's just go to Google and type top ten online stores in Brazil, go through the shopping experience, and that will give you a lot of insights which you can collect in a, essentially in a few hours with zero resources, right? So that's how can you, you get the, uh, the payment methods. How do people pay? What's the, what's the shopping experience? Um, but if you want to localize further, you really need someone who, who deeply understands and, uh, and lives on the market, who is, who is native, who, who knows the market very well, who knows how, does it, how, how it should feel when you buy, what, what are sort of the standards. That's something you, you kind of can't, get yourself that's really where you need the, the low like true local expertise and the w sorry the way we are kind of handling it is there are like two approaches you can either open local office and build it up with the local staff which of course will cost you some resources but we are trying to uh, have the knowledge uh, in prague in our headquarters uh, because we, we also find it important that the, the local people, uh, the, we call them country managers, they have access to local resources in the headquarters so they can actually execute the, the strategy. So how are, how are your teams organized? So it's, uh, uh, it's sort of a three pillars of the, uh, internally we, we call ourselves Go Local Team. Uh, the first pillar is the market localization team. Those are the country managers who are responsible for the pricing, for setting the, the right campaigns. So for the for the sort of a driving the, the the country strategy second team is the e-commerce team and that's the team who is responsible for the checkout experience and they work closely together especially in terms of getting the the new payments out and how how does the the checkout experience feels like and third one is the is the content localization team 
and content localization it's also something we are investing a lot of money and resources because we do not see localization as a as a cost side so if you talk with some with a lot of the businesses they always tend to look at localization as a, as a cost and they which kind of organically you try to reduce it and keep it low but we do see localization more as an investment because we know the better localization is the better the conversion is and therefore the more people we are able to to convert and also it's sort of investment in the future so it's like we are building our, our user base in, in in those markets for the future i tell you the thing i'm most impressed with with avast is your kind of growth mindset you guys you guys have you rally your resources around growing and i go back to two things the, the episode two of our podcast with elena talking about growth is a product, growth is a strategy, and you have to resource it accordingly. And that's really what Avast does. Um, you don't say the words growth team, uh, but your LinkedIn profile says hockey stick growth lover. Uh, can you explain what that means and why yeah. you landed on that as yeah. <laughs> your description? Sure. So I guess that's part of the Avast culture. Uh, as, as you said, we have this growth mindset. So when we are setting targets, we, we never thought, we never think we'll be flat or we'll, we'll decline. We always think we'll be growing and we need to figure out how exactly we'll be growing. And the hockey stick chart, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of my favorite. I, I love doing these things. Uh, and I, we had a couple of successes. Uh, when you kind of have a, have a business in some region and suddenly there's this big jump, like it kind of, the conversion goes up by four or five times. That, that's what I love and that's what I, try to do as on many markets as possible. How many times a year do you see that? Do you have that adrenaline rush you're describing? <laughs> uh, it's still, uh, it's not as frequent as it was <laughs> a few <laughs> years ago. True. Of course, the, the opportunity pool is getting lower and lower, but it's it's also about consistency, right? So I, I got a great, I got a question last week. Uh, Hugo, my manager, sent me an email. Why do we growing so fast in Taiwan? And I looked at the Taiwan business from a longer perspective, like from 2014. And you can see here, like in 2015, 16, the business started to grow. And that was the time when we really, when we did this kind of, we localized the, uh, the campaigns, we, we introduced the, the, the pricing in Taiwanese dollars. We enabled the, the Taiwanese locale on, on, digital, on digital river platform. And we kind of set the right basics for the growth. And at the time, uh, many people didn't understand why we are doing it because Taiwan was such a small country. And uh, the point is with consistency, you can actually make it grow to a significant market. So the growth continued from 2015. And then in 2018, we launched subscriptions, which kind of accelerated the growth on the retention side. And now Taiwan is, it's not a big, still not a big market, but it's a, it's, it's a meaningful market for us. And it, it about a few years ago, it was almost nothing. So. That's not usually the question that employees get asked from their bosses. Why <laughs> is this going so well? <laughs> I don't know that that comes up a lot. It's a great story. A few times, but uh, I think it's about understanding from, from my perspective, it's, it's about understanding the business. It doesn't matter whether it goes down or up unless you, you understand it. So you need to understand what, what happened and what drives the change. So give us more of your origin story. How did you how did you get to be the guy responsible for Go Local at Avast? Tell us tell us kind of where you grew up and and how you get kind of landed where you are today. Sure. So prior joining Avast, uh, I 
I, I was working for Google and I was sort of a country specialist for the Czech Republic. Never so heard of them. <laughs> the, the, the interesting about Czech Republic is it used to be one of the fi five markets where Google was number one. So they were really trying to understand w w what is the local player doing differently and how, how do, does Google compare. And I was part of the team and it kind of helped me to understand the localization is, is important. And prior to that, uh, and I think it's not on my LinkedIn, but I actually uh, run my own online shop, which I built on the Magento platform. I think I was the, it was the first Magento plat sh store in the Czech Republic. Right on. <laughs> it's like 2008, so it was like, I think it was on Vita Magento. So I, uh, I got some experience, also hands-on experience uh, in e-commerce. And then I, I joined Avast, uh, uh, which was a, was a great decision. Uh, I'm with Avast uh, almost nine years. Uh, I joined Avast when I was still studying and finishing uh, my thesis. So I, I actually could use uh, some of the Avast data to finish the thesis I wrote about A-B testing in the, in the global market. And uh, the, I guess the, where I end up in localization is because we s I was part of the sales team or e-commerce team, and we saw the need of, of investing more in, and focusing on the localization. And I was kind of, uh, I was the one who, who naturally got into it. It was mentioned that you're a test and learn company. What, what types of techniques are you employing to make sure that you're validating the, the different changes that you're making? You mentioned Taiwan, Taiwan earlier, um, you know, and the things that you made over the years, how are you validating those types of things that they were actually additive to your, your growth strategy? Right. So we do A-B test a lot. I think on a on a weekly basis we are we can be running like ten different A/B tests at least, and in terms of localization, we kind of start with uh, 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 sometimes you you need to A/B test just to prove that the thing you are doing will actually bring a benefit, but sometimes you also don't need because you have experience that this this thing will work. And for example, with Taiwan it's kind of makes sense just to go and enable the local currency. There is not much to test, right? Because it's either the, the USD or the local currency. What's better for the customer? Of course, it's, it's the local currency is better. And you, then you can validate the, the impact uh, by analyzing the, the data. But you actually don't need to test things which you believe and have strong experience. They won't hurt the business. You mentioned earlier about you know having different prices in, in different regions or different countries. Were those were those the outcome of doing A/B testing as well to find the threshold of converting from a freemium to a premium at this price point? Right, es especially in terms of pricing, it's very vital to test it, especially if the local if the price in the local currency is significantly different from the price in the U.S. dollars. So, for example, in 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 Brazil, we used to be we used to be selling, let's say, for thirty dollars, but then the when you localize the currency, it was suddenly ten dollars. So people were like, "How do we make more money if we are going to sell for uh, three times cheaper?" So that's something you uh, better A/B test to have some data also to prove that the, the thing was uh, actually works because then the conversion jumps up more than more than three four times. Can you talk a little bit about, obviously subscriptions is a tremendous aspect of what you guys do and trying to acquire new customers is, is always the holy grail and obviously renewing them is the, is the lifeline of your business. I'm sure that you've had to make tough decisions between things that are 
single base transactions where there's no auto renewal versus the traditional subscription renewal on a credit card. Uh, some of those local payment types don't support those experiences. Can you talk about some of those trade-offs and how you make them? Those, those have to be hard decisions. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, as you said, we are heavily kind of subscription-based company, which I I'm kind of really proud of because I think that's the, that's the future. But you are also right that some of the cash-based payment methods in, in South America or Asia, they do not support auto renewal from kind of their, their essential way of how they work. And I guess the way how to test it is to, you have, you have one, one flow where you, where you have auto renewal credit card and no cash payment, and the other flow where you have still the credit card and auto renewal plus the cash payment. And then you kind of compare what's the, what's, the, uh, what's the uplift on the conversion, but then you also need to include how, the, how it will look in a few years because of course the, the retention rates on the, on the cash payment methods are much lower than on the subscription. So it's uh, essentially it's about math and calculating what's the, what's the best business model. And you guys do probably some pretty good predictive analytics around how many of those customers that pay with a cash-based product will you actually get back through a manual renewal of sorts and so you build all these models? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's yep. what we do. Complex. So get your crystal ball out for a minute. <laughs> and uh, you've been at the company for nearly nine years. You've seen explosive growth. Uh, where does the next five years bring us? How, do, how does Avas continue to kind of disrupt the traditional market? And, and how do you continue to grow at the same rate and pace you have? Well, it's a, uh, it's a, a, a key question and a very important one. Uh, the... the the key thing is we will continue to grow and we because that's sort of the Avast mindset. We have invested a lot in the in the IoT protection. So we have launched uh, a new product to protect your your smart home. And we think that's that's kind of that's kind of the, the future of protection. It's no longer like having an isolated antivirus on your on your desktop, but it's about protecting kind of yourself or your your whole family. And many people still kind of question it. Uh, whether this is really the future, but I'm a strong believer it is. Uh, the best example is uh, when we are talking with, with our users or customers, we tend to ask them, do you have a smart home? And usually like maybe 10, 20% say yes, and the rest no. But when you ask, do you have a smart TV? It's like 80% nowadays do, right? So that basically means you have a smart home with smart TV because you have a more than uh, more connected devices to the internet than just your phone and, and desktop and also people think it's not a it's not a security risk for them because uh, why would someone bother with hacking their coffee machine and instead of espresso making them a latte or something <laughs> <laughs> what a cruel trick yeah <laughs> give everybody decaf <laughs> <laughs> but it's about uh, uh, those those uh, connected devices they have very low security levels because companies who are creating them they do not have Security, uh, security expertise, and they're really rushing to get them to the market as fast as possible. There is also no authority which would kind of guide the, the makers how to make them secure. There are no regulations, which means uh, we are having a lot of connected devices which are really unsecured. And then what it takes to get to the whole network is just one uh, unsecured device in your network. So the hackers are not using the, uh, the devices to uh, to scrub with your uh, coffee machine, it, they are using it to, to get to your, to your home network or to connect to all, all of the devices and then use it as a part of the sort of big botnet attacks and things like that. How do things like mobile, 
where people have been conditioned for free apps, 99 cent apps. You guys are a free product traditionally, so you have a bit of a leg up on, on some of your competitors in this regard. Uh, how do you monetize mobile, I guess is the ultimate question. So that's, a, uh, I think, like essential question many companies are, uh, are trying to resolve because, as you said, many people are using mobile apps. Uh, there are many companies developing mobile apps, but not many mobile companies are actually successful, right? So the, the way we are doing it is uh, compared to our desktop product, which is solely uh, kind of focused on, on upselling and cross-selling. In mobile, we do also have, uh, we are using indirect monetization. So we do display third-party ads. For example, when you finish a scan, you are on a free version, we'll display uh, an ad for, uh, from the third party. So that's kind of what it's a sort of a, again balancing act between upselling, cross-selling, and also some indirect monetization. Obviously, Brexit is looming, and which decision gets made? Some people have an opinion on, some don't. For Avast, do you guys get in a room and start talking about scenarios and planning, and does it have an implication on your business? Okay. Uh, well, of course, it's a it's a worry, but also it's I guess less of a risk since we are having partners like Digital River who are essentially uh, the, the merchant and seller of record. So it's, it's kind of also, uh, it's, 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 it's a risk for us, but we are happy that we are not the alone in that. In terms of partnerships, and, and I don't want you to pre-announce anything, but, but how, does, how does Avast think about strategic partnerships on trying to go to market with things like I, to, to penetrate the IoT market or to get inside of you know OEM builds on mobile devices. Is there anything that you guys are doing that are you're trying to test and learn that you're having any success with? Yes, the, the, that's a good question. Compared to uh, because with the f IoT is obviously a physical product, even though we are positioning it as a as a subscription or service, it's a it's a still a physical product which you uh, which you need to distribute. And we realized it's not that easy as going to our website to download the free product and install it in a in a two minutes, right? So we are kind of going both ways. Uh, first one is we we want to distribute it through our existing user base, but also we are going through the for the partners and and channel side. So we have now partnership with Winter in Italy, uh, which is the uh, the large local ISP, and we we will go this direction in the future as well. So there are, there will be a couple more partnerships in the future. Is retail traditional box and mortar retail in the cards for Navast uh, with your physical product? Uh, in some countries, uh, in there, there are still countries where retail is uh, is important, especially from the branding pers perspective. Uh, we are in retail in in North America uh, and uh, uh, in Japan, and in Japan it's really, uh, or we are going to be in in, in retail in Japan, and it's really about the the branding perspective. We are we do not expect much of a business from retail, but it's more about you know showing we are here, consider us. Very important in some cultures to yeah. demonstrate that presence, yeah. more so than what you get for returns, but I agree with you. How, how do you choose which products are gonna be sold in which countries and through which channels? Um, so there are countries, there are differences in what people are looking for in certain countries. For example, in Germany, people really like the, uh, the, the, the optimization tool, so they like the, the add-ons more than in, in other countries where they like more the, the VPN products or they are concerned about their privacy. So it's about 
kind of understanding what the, what's the what's the local mindset, what are people up to, and then op optimizing the uh, the portfolio and and the offerings. We globally we do offer the same products everywhere. It, it what may differ is uh, kind of the 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 frequency or the uh, the strength of or the order how how we are offering it to to the local audience. When you think about the segments of customers you serve. I, I once had a room full of interns. Uh, I was in London, and I asked them a question uh, around traditional security providers. And I said, put your hand up if you have any of these, these, these solutions. And it was some of your competitors. And eventually I got to Avast, and the, the room's hands all went up. It was all a bunch of students. And uh, it was very clear to me in that moment that you guys had done a really good job uh, kind of segmenting or targeting customers that were students. I don't know, is that intentional? Is the byproduct of a freemium strategy? Can you talk about some of your segmentation as to where you put your importance on acquiring new customers? Yeah, so uh, as you said, like uh, uh, the every customer and every user is, is super important to us. But with the, with the younger, younger audience, uh, it's, we, we see them as the future buyers, right? So we, every free user is has the same value but even though it's free and we do not make any money not today but we still know that a free user may recommend the product to uh, to uh, to get another review user which we may later monetize and also the free user we may monetize in a few years if he will stick with the brand so we we're, we kind of don't in terms of the, the user base and, and user focus we don't differentiate who do we focus to because our products are really for for everyone so, so what, what advice do you have for people that are uh, trying to build out these growth-minded teams? Well, first, let's start with the analysis. So it's before you start uh, building the team, you need to understand what are the markets you are going to expand. And we look at expansion from kind of two perspectives. One is driven organically, which means there is already some user base in this market, and we need to better localize to monetize it. And the second one is, we don't have a user base, our brand is unknown, but we think the, the market opportunity is huge and therefore we are going to, in, to invest to, to build the user base. So by starting this analysis, that should kind of answer what, what are the key markets where really wa you want to localize better. And th this analysis is like a, should be really kind of detailed. You need to spend a lot of time on on understanding the, 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 the customer behaviors, but also on analyzing the competitors and so on. So it's pick, pick the right markets, and then uh, uh, start, uh, you can actually start small by kind of adding one or two country managers per, per region, and then expand with the time. So th those, there are like uh, certain levels, uh, and you can really start by having one person taking care of the, of the market and expand in, 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 in the future when the market grows bigger. So that's very interesting. You know, shifting gears a little bit, we are all consumers of e-commerce in our daily lives uh, outside of what we do for work. I'd love to hear from you uh, who you hold up as a really great online shopping experience besides Vast and why. That's a good question, and I was thinking about it a lot. Uh, I don't think there is, there is a great user experience online today. Still, when I buy online, I still need to somehow take out the credit card or whatever pay, uh, payment I, I choose to 
and still is a it's not convenient right still you need to select the product put it to your shopping cart go through the checkout it's still a process and which but essentially what i want i want the product why do i need to go through these steps so to me today there is still not perfect uh, shopping experience online there's still a lot of way to go we are moving there but it will take a few years well tomas thank you for being so open and honest with us uh obviously very impressed how you organized and execute growth as a strategy and i think the lessons you've shared with us around how you go more local and how you get excited about hockey stick growth is uh something we can all learn a lot from so thank you very much for uh, participating in our podcast thank you very much for having me